You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. How many of you guys here have social media? Don't lie. How many of you guys have Facebook? How many of you guys have Instagram? Instagram. Have you ever noticed that with social media, it is very easy to misinterpret or misunderstand someone, or maybe someone misunderstood or misinterpreted what you posted. Is that just me? So I'm going to share with you an instance in which a conversation between my wife and I that we had. But here's the kicker. For those of you that have Instagram, you know that you can have more than multiple accounts. And, and if you're like me and you forget a lot, you can forget what account you're on. And so on my phone, I have my personal one, and then I also have the discovery one. Now, my personal one, uh, Instagram, I'm the only one that has access to it. However, the discovery Instagram, there's two other people connected to it as well as myself. just want to set the backdrop. So, I'm on Instagram. I am looking at a post that my, my wife had, had posted And I wanted to be the sweet husband to compliment her. What I did not know is that it was on the Discovery uh, Instagram and not my own. So, So check out this conversation that I had with my wife. Uh, So she posted a picture of, of my daughter, and I'm just being like the nice husband, like, she's as beautiful just like her mama, right? Like, oh, right. Okay, um, she responds, she's like, <laughs> LOL, like that's how I assume that it sounds like. <laughs> she's like, ah. she's like, love you. I got three heart emojis, y'all, three heart emojis, okay? Again, I'm just thinking that this conversation is between my wife and I. I did not know that it's be- between me, my wife, and two other people, okay? So let's see the next one. Oh, so then I'm like, where are you? Okay, so what, I, what the people, anyways, where are you? She said, I'm coming home. Now, you just read that and you don't understand the context of what's happening. You think it's going to be a good day in the PETA household. Come on. Okay. Where are you? I'm coming home. That's what she said to me. Okay. Here goes the next one. Then someone chimes in. This is J. J stands for Janice. She's all up in our biz, y'all. She's like, this is J. Guess who else can see these? I'm like, oh. It keeps getting better. Oh, there's my wife. She probably didn't do the giggle one. She's like, LOL, whatever, right? Like. She said, love you, heart, heart emoji. And then, and then uh, the third person that's on our account responded, this is Jules. If you don't know who Julie, this is our worship leader. The one who was just leading us into God's presence, right? She's like, this is Jules. Don't get too crazy. <laughs> then she responds again, worse than teens. Hashtag worse in teens. What I didn't put up there because I wasn't sure how you guys are gonna react to this, right? 
the text before it says worse than teens, she said something along the lines, I just wanted to say something before nudes were posted up there. <laughs> Which would never happen. But what she did not understand, neither of them understood, was the context of the thread. They misunderstood what was happening. See what... (laughs) (laughs) What she didn't understand, what they didn't understand, is that I was planning on making dinner for my wife and my kids, and I was trying to time it correctly so that it was still steamy hot, the food, when they came home. (laughs) But they misunderstood the text. See, here's why I'm telling you this morning, not to scare you off and to never come back again. Or <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reason why I'm sharing this with you guys is because the text that we looked at in James chapter 2, if we're not careful... James chapter 2 can be a very misunderstood text when it comes to faith. See, because in James chapter 2, James decides to talk about faith, and James takes on this idea that faith with faith and works. And if we're not careful, we can look at this text and we can begin to misunderstand what James is talking about, what James is saying. And so what I want us to do for the next couple moments that we're together is to try and explain to the best of my ability what James is referring to in James chapter 2 when he talks about faith in works. Now, so that we're on the same page, I do want to add a little context to the faith. When when James uses the word faith, what he's referring to. James is referring to a relational faith between us and Jesus. Okay, so, so he, James is talking about when he says the word faith, he's talking about the faith that I have relationally with Jesus. He's talking about the faith that you have relationally with Jesus, this idea of who Jesus is, so he's the son of God, what he came to do to bridge the gap between humanity and God, and why Jesus did what he did, and that is because uh, he's, wanted, he's called us to live a life that is full, not just in eternity, but right here on earth. See, I love that, this, this idea that, that with Jesus, your life can just get better. It doesn't always seem better with things that we go through, but we have access to a peace that he can bring. And so James, when referring to faith, he's referring to this relational idea between us and Jesus, us and God, this, this what we would call salvation, what and, and so, so here this is, he's, he's talking about faith, okay? So now if you've ever read this chapter, James chapter 2, or you've probably seen it on a poster, or you've heard someone talk about this idea of faith in works. 
Now, if we're not careful, we can really misunderstand what James is referring to. So a couple things that I think that, that we can, uh, when we read that, we can mistake what he's referring to about is this, is the first one is this, that faith doesn't pay the bills. So get a job, right? And, and I mean, that's part two, right? Like, I mean, it's good to get a job. And yet, that's not what James is actually referring to right here. There's also, uh, if you're reading this text, and it says, uh, when it says faith without works, if you're not careful, you can read it and, and think that, that faith is a byproduct of your works. So this idea that I have to do certain things in order for God to love me in order for God to show affection towards me. How many of you guys ever got caught in that trap? I need something done. I'm going to show up to church today. Oh. <laughs> I need this or I need that. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to start praying. Like, you, like in this idea that we believe that the better I am, the harder I work, the more that God loves me. Which I would say to that is not true either. And so what exactly is James talking about when he says faith and works? I actually think James has something greater in store for us in the context of the faith that he's referring to. And I think the best way that we can see this is found in the story that we read in Luke chapter 5. And so I think we have that, Luke chapter 5, we read it at the very beginning. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. So I think the after this is important to understand what was before that. And so before Jesus went out of the house and saw this guy named Levi, Jesus had just performed one of the most miraculous miracles ever. He healed this, this guy that was, that was paralyzed. But what's crazy is how, how Jesus did it. This guy, he was, he was crippled from, for, for a long time, and, and he had some friends who were like, hey, if, if, if we can just bring him to Jesus, he'd be healed. Can I stop and say right there this morning that we all need friends that are willing to carry us when we feel like we can't go on? Like this is not something that we can do on our own. Life is not something that you can go do on your own. You need people that when you feel like I just want to lay down and I want to close my eyes and I don't want to move, you need people in your life to be like, yo, come on, I got, let's, let's go. And so they carry him, the, the, his friends, they carry their friend on the mat. They get to this house where Jesus is, but it's packed. Like they can't get in. There's people in the doorway. They can't, they, they, they can't do anything. Now, could you imagine if I'm that person, that paralyzed person on that mat? I'm like, guys, we tried. You did your best. Thank you. I'll make sure to post about how cool of friends you are, right? But the friends, his friend, his friend said, 
wait, we can figure this out. And what they did was they put him up, they brought him up to the roof, they started digging the ceiling out, and they lowered their friend from the hole in the roof down, and the text reads that like he was plopped right in front of Jesus. Let me say this, we need people in our life that not just carry us, but we also need people in our life that can be our faith when we feel like we have no faith. We need people in our life that can see not the way that we see, not our circumstance, but be able to see and believe God's faithfulness. And so here they are, they bring, they, they, they lower their friend down uh, at the feet of Jesus. Jesus miraculously heals this guy. Now, could you imagine that crowded room of people when they seen this guy <laughs> drop down, they see Jesus pray for him, and the guy gets up and he's healed. Could you imagine the reaction in the room? It must have been wild. People like, oh my gosh, he's healed, hallelujah. Whatever, like whatever, you know. Choose your own adventure here. But you'd have to imagine that they're excited to see what they just saw. I imagine people are running outside of the house. He did it again. He's amazing. And, I, and I'm telling you this because right outside of the house was this man named Levi or Matthew. And so the text says in Luke chapter 5 that after this, after Jesus just did the miracle, Jesus went out of the house. And it says that he saw the tax collector. He saw Levi sitting there doing his tax collecting duties. I think it's important to understand that this is for sure not the first time that Levi has ever heard about Jesus. This is probably, in fact, the first time he's ever personally had the opportunity to meet Jesus. But he's definitely known about Jesus. And so here he is. He, Jesus comes and he approaches Levi sitting at the tax booth. Now, tax collectors at that time were notorious. They were, they were perhaps the sinner of all sinners. They weren't liked by their Jewish community because they, the Jewish community felt like they were backstabbing, like they were betraying because they were now working for Rome. And so here is Matthew, Levi. He's sitting there. And Jesus sees him. And what I want us to notice in this moment is that simply Matthew knowing, Levi knowing about Jesus never caused any transformation to happen in his life. This is actually what James is saying in James chapter 2, verse 19. He's, he's talking to, uh, most uh, theologians believe that, that, that James, in this letter of James, he's writing to Jewish Christians. And so James, in, in James chapter 2, verse 19, he's like, hey, guys, I know, I, I know that, that you uh, believe in God. 
I know that you believe in one God. I know that you know that there's only one God. And James goes on to write this. But guess what? Even the demons believe that. Almost as if to say that a knowledge about God is different than a relationship with God. Almost to say that it's very easy for us to get caught up in doing and never really encountering Jesus in the way that he is. I wonder this morning how many of us can relate to this idea that we've fallen for a knowledge of who Jesus is but we've never stepped into a relationship with who Jesus is. And so here he is. Jesus, he's approaching Levi. And watch what the text says next. Jesus says he reaches Levi, Matthew, and he gets to the tax collector booth, and he says this, follow me. Follow me. The first Attempt, or the, excuse me, the first, uh, the first encounter, actual encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, follow me. Now on the surface, this idea of follow me, it may not seem like a big deal, right? Like we think of follow the leader, whatever, something real cute. But really, Jesus is asking Matthew, hey, leave everything that you know. Everything that you've ever thought, leave all your friends and follow me. That word follow in the Greek, it actually implies this idea of leaving one party to be aligned and joint in another party. So Jesus is saying to, uh, to Levi, to Matthew, he's saying, hey, I want you to leave what you know. And come align yourself with who I am. Can I say this morning that that's salvation? That at the end, when we, when we say, how many people here want to make a decision to follow Christ? Raise your hand. And we're going to have this opportunity at the end today. This is what we're saying. That we're saying, Jesus, I want to align my life with who you are. And watch what happens. It says this, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. He got up, left everything, and followed him. What I want us to see this morning is that Levi's head knowledge of knowing who God was never caused him to get up and to leave his occupation, it wasn't until he actually had an encounter, a relationship with Jesus, and his response to that, and this is what I need you to get, his response to encountering Jesus is what caused him to change. See, I want to say this morning as we tie it all together This, friends, is in fact what James is talking about. In James chapter 2, 
this idea of faith in works. That faith is not a byproduct of your works, but your works are a byproduct of your faith. James is writing in James chapter 2 this idea that faith without works, show me faith and then show me your works, this idea like your works, the things that you say, the way that you live, the generosity that flows from you, it it stems, it flows from a relationship that you have with Jesus. It was this relationship that caused James or excuse me, that called Levi to get up, to leave everything that he knew, everything that he had, to follow Jesus. Can I say this morning that faith, your faith, your relationship with Jesus is what causes you to live a life beyond yourself. Your relationship with Jesus, when you have an encounter with Jesus, I know that word encounter sounds kind of weird. When, when, when you have, I'll just say encounter. I can't think of another word. But when you experience the love of Jesus relationally and when you say, Jesus, take over my life, I want to align my life with you, that that faith, that relationship does something inside of your heart, and it begins to change your heart and the way that you think, and that pours out into the way that you live. And so I would say this morning, if you want faith to step into what God has for you, Grow your relationship with him. And here's the best part. I think it's the best part. The more and more that you and I get closer to God, the more our relationship with God gets closer, the more that God will begin to challenge you and me to live beyond our comfortability. See, because faith is not comfortable. In fact, the very definition of faith is stepping into something that I don't even, I can't even fathom, I can't even see. But when I grow this relationship with Jesus, with who he is, my faith becomes stirred. My faith increases. So as my relationship with Jesus increases, my faith to step out into what he has for me increases as well. As my faith in Jesus increases, my faith into giving up things that I love that may not be aligned with what God has increases too. And as I grow my relationship with who Jesus is, my faith grows as well. And so my heart this morning as as we close is is I I want us to learn to, to understand that faith is necessary. In fact, it's the foundation 
of the works that God wants to do through you and through me. But we got to grow our relationship with Jesus. Amen, somebody? Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.